Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Professional Insight Podcast, episode 41, season Correct. two. Yeah. Uh, my name is Brandon Curry. I'm Jeff Collins. Josh Bond. And Trevor Lindy. Thanks very much, everyone, for tuning in, caring and sharing. And thanks to our, uh, still our sponsor, Brand Boulevard. But we just are not giving away any gifts because we can't right now. Uh, we're not allowed to. <laughs> um, we, we might anyway. be giving away a magic toilet that uh, Trevor was talking about earlier, yes. though. Eh? The masculine toilet. toilet. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we do some uh, grass seed too. We can give that away. To those that are yeah, listening or watching, it's in reference to a closer look by Seth Myers on one of his uh, most recent um, episodes. And then if you want to know more about the Brandon thing, just go back to the last episode and he had to take a pause for the cause and go and bitch at his neighbor. <laughs> for cutting his grass. <laughs> yeah. I hope yeah, the neighbor doesn't watch it. or I listen. It, but I just seeded. Like, I, ah, damn it. You can't, you can't cut when you see. There we go. We just <laughs> lost a listener from the next door neighbor. God, if bought, if you, know, if you saw my, if you saw my front lawn, you'd understand. I, I, I take care of my front lawn. I can't take <laughs> care of my black lawn because I got two labs. Anyway. Um, uh, what was, well, yeah. What were you talking about? All right. We yes. are going so, to talk about. Remember, at the, the end of the last episode, uh, episode 40, you brought up an article that was basically going around saying um, that it is a could serve be the start serve. of the basic universal income fund. For so it's funny that you you funny that you bring that up, and and only because uh, I, I wanted to talk about this topic. Hey, can you um, explain to us what the universal income would be for everybody? So they you stop interrupting me if you stop. Like, no, you're gonna, gonna, but you're going to go like, off with something get, that I don't even understand. I want to explain it first. No, I, I was going to. I was going to. Like, no, if you just you know, give it a second, give it a second. Okay. All right. So universal basic income. So what it is in theory. So universal basic income dates back. That theory dates back. Oh God, several decades, if if not longer, and. Um, a universal basic income is the theory based on that the government gives everybody either annually, semi-annually, uh, monthly, um, a stipend from the government coffers to as a base income for everyone or, or a universal basic income for everyone in the country. That's the theory. So the theory being that it's tax-free, and that it is indexed to inflation and that it in somehow is correlated with uh, some sort of minimum income calculation. So if it's $15 an hour is agreed upon that that is the, you know, at least the minimum wage, well then it's, it'd be $30,000 a year or thereabouts based on a 40 hour work. And this um, is every age, every person. No, so typically it's every adult. So uh, every anyone over the age of eighteen would be considered to be eligible. And they, the reason why they do that is, is um, they're they're actually have the, they, they typically have even though you can work over the age of uh, I think sixteen in Ontario, um, you you are actually an you know recognized as an adult in the eyes of the uh, of the law. And so you therefore can, you know, hold a, a full-time job, a salaried job, that kind of thing. That's why they use 18 as their ballpark. Um, 
The theory also being that if somebody has a universal basic income, you would uh, take more risks. You would take on jobs that are 100% commission, like a real estate agent or a mortgage broker or a financial advisor, or maybe you'd want to go to law school or you'd want to, you would do the things that you would want to do and not have to worry about. The offset to that is all social programs, especially income tested social programs, would be removed. So I know our listeners are hitting here saying, okay, what the heck is an income tested social benefit? Okay. An income tested social benefit would be, um, OAS on old age security. Um, it would be ODSP, Ontario disabilities, uh, social program, support program. Yep. Support program. Sorry. Uh, it would be, uh, Ontario works. Ontario works are all examples of income tested social programs, even OSAP. What about ODSP? ODI, I just said, yeah, I did say, yeah. Okay. I said ODSP, sorry. yeah. Sorry, sorry. So, so all, all the programs would be eliminated? All, yes, all of them, yeah, all of them would be eliminated because you wouldn't need them. Because what about CPP? The, no, CPP you contribute into. Okay. CPP See, is I don't know if EI would be removed from it as well. You would because, because EI- But you're you, contributing to it. You are contributing to it, but maybe you wouldn't anymore. You wouldn't anymore because it, the whole idea is you get, so it's income tested. So a, you can't be working while you're on it. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, B you only get 55% up to a maximum annual income, which I believe is around 40 or $45,000 a year. So oh, if man. someone, which is, so I know that when my wife was on, um, uh, mat leave, it equated to just around $1,000 every two weeks or $26,000 a year, which was her EI maternity leave benefit. Well, my wife makes way more than, than $44,000 a year. So that is a significant hit to the, to the system. So the theory being is that if, I am, if, if I'm getting a universal basic income that's not income tested, I, once I'm able to, either I'm off of work or maybe Matt leave, I can go back to work and not have to worry or go back to work part-time or whatever the case may be and not worry, have to worry about childcare. Um, the Canadian child care tax benefit would be eliminated because that's income tested. So you wouldn't really have to need those things because both adults in the home would be getting their universal basic income. No matter what, even if no you work, what, everybody no gets what. it. No matter everyone gets Correct. it. I like it. So I've ran, well, I've ran. Here's the problem. It's based on 15 bucks an hour. So those people don't have to work and they get it, right? So they just get at home and employed and get it and still and get it. That's where yeah. some of the arguments are, is that. You do that job then. No one's going to bother doing it. Either I can work or not work and get the same amount so, of money. So no, no, you're, you're missing the point. You get it regardless. So if you choose to sit at oh, home. So you double your income. Right. If you choose to sit at home and and make $30,000 a year, well then, and inflation happens, hyperinflation happens, or whatever the case may be, well then that's your prerogative, that's, that's it, good for you. But if someone wants to, if that single mother who wants to go out and also have that job at Tim Hortons, or McDonald's or whatever, because they, that, that's all they can do because they have childcare as well, well they can actually now either have two options. 
use their universal basic income to pay for childcare and then go get that full-time job or keep their universal basic income and keep their same part-time job. And now they're adding to their overall income. Really? They're making yeah. 30 bucks an hour instead of 15 kind of. Well, when they're working. Yes. Yeah. Now I just threw out $15 an hour as an example. That's just, yeah. I just used yeah. that as an example. So when we ran the numbers and only because I'm in the process of writing an article uh, with, with a, a, a co-writer, um, we're in the process of figuring it out. And when I ran the numbers and went in onto Stats Canada, um, we would have to add uh, $940 billion of revenue in order to pay for all the over 18 year olds at $30,000 a year tax free. To put that into perspective, sorry, it was 900 billion, 900 billion. To put that into perspective, the total tax revenue, total tax revenue that the Government of Canada received in the year of 2018, which is the most recent tax year that StatsCan had available, was $944 billion. We would essentially have to double our entire revenue stream of income coming in in order to pay for this benefit. So then that leads to, okay, maybe we should still do the universal basic income, but tax it like they do OAS like they do ODSP, like they do EI, like they do maternity leave and, and, and what have you. And on top of that, make it not income tested, but make it like the, on, uh, the old age security program. And the old age security program, uh, if for our listeners and for what you don't know, one, at 65, the maximum old age security right now, I think is around $700, just shy of 700 bucks a month. And as you make up to uh, an, in, an indexed amount. It's a ballpark around $74,000 a year. Again, indexed. Your OAS starts to get clawed back. So you start to get clawed back on your OAS because they're like, well, you now make, you make over $74,000 in retirement, dude. You, you don't need this taxpayer-funded benefit because OAS you don't contribute into. So... And it claws back at 15% for every dollar over that amount of 74,000 bucks. And then it completely gets reduced to zero at around 120 to $130,000. I'm using ballpark numbers. I thought it was, right I thought it was 104. Uh, no, it's actually, if, if you want me to. Yeah, please. OAS. Get your numbers right. OAS clawback. Where are we here? Ba, 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 bum. That's EI. Uh, hold on. I was going to say this is the longest Brandon has oh, oh, talking. Okay. In 2018, <laughs> yes. OAS clawback started at $75,910. Now that's Perfect. an index. And the maximum is around one hundred and twenty thousand dollars, hundred where you get zero. Okay, where you get zero. I have to. This one doesn't be. This one does. She doesn't show it, which I don't know why. I will. I will look that up. So, anyways, the 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 key is is to maybe make the universal basic income something like that, where if you do lose your job and you do find yourself to be unemployed, 
you know that you still have this fail safe coming in every single month and that you can actually plan and with the average Canadian family making around $70,000 a year, then you can easily add another $60,000 to the family income split between the two adults. And it would actually really not affect the vast majority of Canadians, right? Um, if that makes sense. Uh, I'm just curious where they come up with the money for, for, to support this program. Like I know Trudeau spent that last week alone on COVID, but like, how do they do this all the time? They got to stimulate that revenue, right? It's coming. Yeah. So the, the fact of the matter is, we're getting to um, we're we're getting to a point where they where technology and AI is basically eliminating a lot of the laborer jobs that we used to have that would that would employ the vast majority of Canadians, whether you're uneducated or educated. And unfortunately, the the jobs that still require people to do what they need to do, um, it's, it's less than the laborer jobs, right? Does that make sense? So you're gonna have a ton of people on social services, right? Yeah. So uh, I found it, uh, Trev. Yeah, I'm still here. In, 20, in 2018. I'm already looking at it. Well, 123,386. And Jeff, to answer your question, the only way that the government's going to get an, get money to cover these bailouts is raise taxes somewhere. Exactly. Somewhere, like HST or income tax or something. It's worthwhile going and, and reading the McLean's article that talked about it. The McLean's article, uh, so if anybody that is listening or watching wants to go, it is an opinion piece, but it's, uh, it's titled, Will This Pandemic's Legacy Be a Universal Basic Income? And you know what they're talking oh. about? If they did it, they're they're saying that it will cost less than what it's costing them in CERB payments. But it talks about reducing the um, the cost down by forty four billion, uh, forty four billion, if they eliminated all low income social ass assistance programs. So as a financial advisor here, Curry, what do you think about it? You for it or against it? In theory, I'm I'm for it. In if theory, if it's done I'm properly, it. if it's done properly, done right. where yeah. th that's the problem. So my my biggest issue is, and I've gone on record and said that a universal basic income is the way to go, because okay, I'll I'll give two scenarios to compare to people. If you talk to anybody about the taxes that you pay towards school and healthcare notwithstanding the services that we get and, and, and the fact that, you know, there's long wait times, yada, yada, yada. It's you really in, 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 in fundamental, it fundamentally, you, there's a very small percentage of the population that can't stand free, free education or a decrease in, uh, or, or a uh, subsidized post-secondary education and along with free healthcare, because they, we can all turn around and say, well, at one point in time, I needed to have that healthcare and that, and that, um, uh, whatchamacallit, the, the healthcare and the education. Where you have a problem with income tested benefits is something like OSAP, where if you make above X, if your parents make above X, so Bondo, let's use that because your kids are pretty close to going, or close, you and Jeff are 
kids are close to going to school or post-secondary. Yeah. And let's Ooh. say if you're like my, <laughs> if you're like my dad, who my mom, my mom and dad basically said, we have some money saved for you because they never had the RESP back then. No, but we can only afford X amount for crying out loud. It took us a hundred and thousand dollars and change at that time to get you to 18, go get a loan, go work your butt off and go and do that. Yes. So I go and apply for OSAP to get an interest-free loan. And then I was going to work in the summers and pay it back. And I get told that I did not qualify for OSAP at the time because my dad made too much money. Working at General Motors, people. He worked yep. at General Very good job, but worked at General Motors. So he's not yes. like, whatever. My dad was- 60, 70 grand, right? My dad was pissed. <laughs> he basically said to the guy or girl, what does my income have to do with whether or not my son or daughter needs to go to post-secondary education and whether or not they can afford to? It has nothing. I took them to 18. God damn it. Yep. Like why, why am I, why are they for like, why, where's the form that I signed that say to that? And yeah. that people is where you have people have a problem with income tested social benefits. See the difference with OSAP though is they're making points on the, they're making decent points on the back end. hundred percent. They are. Well, right? but there's a way around them making no money on the back end. Right. Yeah, they've got loan forgiveness and everything on that too. Well, all I say is like if you are in a financial position that you can pay out your OSAP, so you have so you graduate in April, you have to start paying it back that November. So if you graduated this April, you will have to start making your payments November 2020. Yep. But if you can afford to pay your loan in full, at least this is I don't think they've changed it. I'm, I'm, I'm going back to when I was in school and had OSAP. Same ordeal. If you can pay it in full, no interest. Gone. I took out a loan. It was yeah, free. I did too. I paid it so, off. So unless you, uh, unless you, in November, start making the regularly scheduled mortgage payments on your OSAP, that's the only way the government actually makes interest off of it. That's correct. right. Is when you enter into that situation. Yep. And yep. that's so, fine. So and I was going to oh. say, where are we at with universal income? Are there something that's being proposed right now or talked about? It's not something that's being proposed formally. It's something that's really being kicked around uh, on the internet and on and around um, pundits. Ironically, universal basic income is actually a fiscal conservative idea. And it actually originated in Europe. It actually didn't originate in North America. So the, Scandinavian? The whole, yeah, it's typically Scandinavian. It's a right-wing think tank in Scandinavia. Um, now, that's not where it formally started. It, it, it didn't formally start there. It actually formally started in Germany. But um, the Scandinavia is some, some, a place that they, they truly embraced uh, that type of metrics. And because it, it, it's the whole notion, a high tide raises all ships. So yeah. basically, if everybody gets to get their universal basic income, and I choose to make over eighty or ninety thousand dollars a year, and I start to get my UBI clawed back. Well, then that's my choice. But I can't knock the fact that I'm, I also got thirty grand while I was in school at eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one. You know, and yeah. I never had to take out a loan, and that's how, what I would pay for my schooling and all that kind of stuff. And get the economy humming too, really. 
it would get the economy humming and it wouldn't it wouldn't have anything to do with um, whether or not your parents are rich or not. It didn't it didn't matter whether or not you had an inheritance, because right now, as, as another example, uh, uh, an income tested benefit is ODSP. And basically, we in the financial industry have created something called the Henson Trust, which we've, we, which we've talked about in a previous episode. And that yeah. is because if you're disabled, you cannot make over a certain amount of income. Otherwise, you get, get kicked off of ODSP benefits and ODSP uh, income. So what they've created is for inheritance purposes, something called the Henson Trust, where your parents, your grandparents, whoever wants to leave you money, it gets put into a Henson Trust in order to protect the disabled individual from being kicked off of social benefits. Well, as someone who who's been blessed, and I, I have no disability, I have two healthy children, why would you kick someone off of social benefits who's disabled? Like, it doesn't make any logical sense to me, purely because they got an inheritance. That mm. doesn't make any sense. They have no control over the fact that they're disabled, nor do they have any control over the fact that they got an inheritance. Um, and it's just not fair. I've had people who've won, I've had clients who've, who've won money on a scratch ticket and had to give it to a, a brother or sister to claim that scratch ticket because they'd be kicked yeah. off of ODSP benefits. How yeah. stupid yeah. is that? It's ridiculous. No, I know. You're disabled. You've already yeah. met the metrics. You've, you've hit yes. the bar. A, a physician has actually stated that you're, you are prolonged impaired. And here's the form. CRA is agreed. You get the disability tax credit. You get ODSP. It's a fairly simple equation. Um, whether or not you get an inheritance or not should, should have no bearing. Yeah, and so what agreed. you do is you have people going to pay lawyers, no disrespect, Bondo, no. thousands of dollars to set up a Henson Trust purely so, yeah. so that their loved one doesn't get kicked off of ODSP. It's completely asinine and ass backwards. No, yeah. it's not thousands of dollars to set up a Henson Trust, but yeah, I mean, it's something that you well, would incorporate into your will, yes, but it, it, would, it would increase the cost of your will for sure. Correct. That's what it, I'm saying. And I did double check. I think it was Finland that had the basic income and it was only a test trial, I think for two years. And from what I can gather, it's, it's deemed to have failed, but I don't know any of the other literature on it. So really this is just background momentum that people are talking about nothing ending anytime soon. Well, I think what, what, what my article will be saying and what I'm proposing is if you're going to do it. So Kathleen Wynne did it in Ontario and she did it in Hamilton and it was canceled a year later once the new, the new government formed. It was also done in Winnipeg too, uh, about a couple of a decade or so, a couple decades ago. Um, my proposal is, is you do it, you, you pick, let's say PEI, or you pick like an island somewhere that's, that's, that's secular, that you can do an entire province and you can run it, not just in a city, but you can run it in, in, a, in an isolated place that you can kind of truly see the economic impact in the area right and you run it for three to five years and you see what that cost is and what the economic impact is and why i say pei or may, maybe up north in manitoba is because those areas have been heavily hit hard due to the fisheries and lack of tourism and what have you so it's actually you can actually get a true indication of, of some numbers 
Yeah. And it, was, it wasn't Minip- it wasn't Winnipeg. It was Manitoba, and it was in the, in the seventies. That's right. Yeah, and it was uh, it was uh, Trudeau, Trudeau's dad. Pre Pierre Trudeau did it in the seventies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think wh- so it was funded. Yeah, but where it was in Winnipeg, the city of Winnipeg, was it not? Manitoba. Well, that's so the I think, Yes, I think it was generally for, for Manitoba, which would encapsulate oh, was it all Winnipeg. The whole province? Okay. I believe cool. so. I believe so. Oh, I say Brandon Curry for Prime Minister. Get this going. Hmm. One Niagara, universal income. You yeah. got my platform. You got my vote, buddy. Help us help. help you stay informed. Thanks, everybody. Out. Out. Hi, I'm Emily Roger, and I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.